have your Bibles this morning want to read with us, turn to the Gospel according to John, chapter number 5. Gospel of John, chapter number 5. I'm going to begin to read this morning with verse number 32. We looked last Sunday morning at the first part of the chapter, in the fifth chapter of the book of John. Uh, we saw the happenings that took place at the pool of Bethesda, what took place there, how the scripture described that. We uh, tried to, uh, to, to preach that and help us to understand actually what the Lord done there at that particular time, how did the, the effects of it, what that, what that Bethesda meant, house of mercy, what it meant. The word Bethesda means house of mercy, and the Lord is a, a merciful Lord. Ain't you glad he don't give you what you deserve this morning? Ain't you glad that he gives you mercy today? I'm glad that God didn't give me what I deserve. If I did, I'd be in hell right now. I'd be, I'd be eternally dead, burning in a lake of fire. But I'm glad that he showed me mercy. He allowed me, allowed me to have the opportunity to hear the gospel. What a powerful message is the gospel. What an honor and a privilege it is to hear the gospel. What a, I, I, I think sometimes that we've become gospel-hardened around here. Uh, we've, we've heard the gospel so much in our Bible belt that, that, that we seem to forget the power that's in the gospel. We're going to begin to read with verse number 32 this morning, uh, John chapter 5, and beginning to read with verse number 32. If you're able, would you stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God? Now, Jesus here is debating, I reckon you'd say, or is, uh, is defending himself, more or less, against the Jews and the Pharisees. Here, after that it's been, uh, it's been found out, it's been told uh, by the man that was at the pool of Bethesda, it's been told that I know now who he is, it's him. I know who he is, and his name is Jesus. And, and they begin to seek to kill him, the, the Lord, and and of course, they, they found him uh, uh, there, and when they find him, that, uh, that, that he begins to tell them that he is who he is, and there's nothing he can do about that, and uh, there's nothing they could do about it either. And he was uh, defending the truth and the word of God. In verse number 32, then Jesus still speaking said, There is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. He sent unto John, and he bare witness unto the truth, and I receive not testimony from man, but these things say, these things I say that you, that you might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in, the, in his light. But I have a greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same work that I do. Bear witness of me, excuse me, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself, which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent him ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think that ye have eternal life. and They are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that I might have life, or that ye might have life. I, re I receive not honor from men, 
But I know you that ye have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. How can ye believe which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Do not think that, that I will accuse you to the Father. Excuse me again. Let me read it again. Do not think that I will accuse you to the, to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, whom ye trust. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? Heavenly Father, help me this morning. God, you know my, my needs. You know, God, my lack of ability. God, you know my weakness in every way. God, you know my desire, though, God. And I pray, Father, this morning that you'd use me, God, to be the, the blessing to your people that needs to be. You'd use me, God, and use the words that we speak that might benefit those that are lost today, those, Lord, that know not the Lord Jesus from the free pardon of their sin. God, help us to leave here different than we came. I pray you'll make a difference in our life. God, save that one nearest hell this day. Recall the backslidden. I pray, God, that you would do a work that only you could do. And I'll bless your name forever. For it's in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen and amen. The Lord Jesus is, is speaking to these Jews and these Pharisees here. And, and he's telling them that there is one that beareth witness of him. And he mentions that of John being John the Baptist, being the one that has the voice crying in the wilderness, uh, making statement that leaving Brother Bradley mentioned this morning, uh, prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his path straight. And, and that's the, the message uh, that John would preach. He would preach uh, uh, the repentance and, and come and repent, and then you could be baptized. And, and well, you know that, that, that they would look at John and the multitudes of them, if you'll study Scripture any, you'll find that a great amount of the Jews first believed that John might be the Messiah. They first believed that he might be the one that would come to take away and, and to take the reproach from the, the Jewish people. And, uh, but yet that Jesus goes on and says he's come on the scene now. And John's declared him to be the, the Lamb of God. Remember we talked a few minutes, a few a weeks ago about what the, John said when Jesus was coming down to him at the river Jordan, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And he said, there's one that cometh, uh, whom uh, shoes I'm not worthy to unbuckle or latch, uh, or whatever the words would be there that he would make the statement of. And, and, and so John has testified that I'm not the one, I'm not the Messiah, but I'm bearing witness of the Messiah. I'm telling the world that there's one that is coming that is greater than me. Uh, and, and his name is Jesus. And not only did he bear witness of him, he identified him when he came to where he was uh, in the River Jordan. Now, we find that Jesus is uh, here before these people. He's reminding them uh, that John did this. Um, and he said, you've seen this witness. But then he said, he made the statement that there is a greater witness. But I have a greater witness than that of John. Uh, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, uh, the same works I do, that I do uh, bear witness of me uh, that the Father hath sent me. Uh, and what John is saying unto the people there is there's, uh, there's something greater than even the witness of John that I am who I am. And, and we go on down, we got toward the end of the chapter there, and he asked them, do you think that, that I will accuse you of the Father? Uh, the, uh, you know, uh, there's one that accuseth you. 
Now, you sat right there, then he said, there's just one that's, uh, that's accused. Then he goes on and says, uh, even Moses, uh, in whom you trust. Well, how in the world was Moses even there? Yeah, I preach, I don't even understand this. He said Moses would, would, accuse, would accuse him. How Moses had been dead for a long time. But the writings of Moses is still very well today. We have Moses and the prophets. Isn't that what we hear in the Scripture, even in the 16th chapter of the book? of Luke. So what Jesus is saying is that I have something that's bearing witness of me and there's something that's going to be bearing witness of me from the old Bible until the testator is taken away and the New Testament comes and that is the Word of God. I want to preach to you if I can this morning on the subject of the testimony of the Scriptures. The testimony of the Scripture. The word testimony according to Webster's 18 28 dictionary uh, means this. It is a solemn declaration or affirmation made for the purpose of establishing or providing some fact. Uh, uh, now, we, we know that, uh, that, that when you hear about the testimony, it is, uh, it is the, 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 the establishing, the affirming uh, a fact. It, it, that is what a testimony is. Something has taken place. Now, we know that Jesus had healed the man at Bethesda's pool. And one thing that he'd done, that he healed him on the Sabbath day, okay? Now, religious folk didn't like that a whole lot. Religious people didn't like the fact that he healed them on the Sabbath day. And they weren't much in favor of this work that had been taken place by Jesus, uh, taking place on the, on the Sabbath day. And these Pharisees and, and Jews began to try to find out uh, who it was that had healed him. Well, uh, when the healed man, when, whom we don't even know his name, uh, that all we have record of of him is he was a man at the pool of Bethesda, been, uh, been lame for 38 years, right? That's all we know about him. Uh, but we find that when he left the pool of Bethesda, the next time we find him, he's at the temple of God. Uh, he's, uh, he's not running the streets. He's not roping the roads. Uh, he's not at the local tavern. But I'll tell you where he's at. He's at God's house over yonder. And there he is uh, uh, giving honor and praise unto God for something that happened unto him. Uh, now listen, uh, when we find the healed man, uh, when, when he met Jesus again, he was at the temple and Jesus told him that I'm the one that's healed you. I'm the one uh, that done that. Jesus began to, or uh, when Jesus left, then, then that, that that man at Bethesda went out and began to tell others that it's this man. His name is Jesus, the one that made me what well, I am, the one that made me whole. His name is Jesus. He did it on the Sabbath day. Sure he did. And the debate began in tradition against Scripture. Now, let me tell you something. I want to say this right now. I want you to write this down. Tradition's not always bad. I know we, we, some of you got trouble with, with saying that and got trouble with me saying that, but tradition's not always a bad thing. Tradition's only bad when it goes against Scripture. That's when tradition gets to be bad. Now, if we believe 2 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 16, which says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, then we must put total dependence on uh, that, that the Word of God is the final authority in all manner of faith and practice. Would you not say that? 
There is nothing that trumps the Word of God. I'm talking about the Declaration of Independence. I'm talking about the law books that are written that are in our courthouses. I'm talking about all these. There is nothing that, that the finality of the matter that trumps or that's above the Word of God. It's undebatable. You say, well, preacher, it's a, how come there's a lot of debating about it? That's the opinion just being debated. It's not the Word of God that's debated. God's Word is the final authority. It is undebatable. God's Word is undeniable. There is no way that you could uh, uh, testify that God's Word is, uh, is not true, for God is truth. Uh, the Bible tells us in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he said, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. In context, uh, it is without a doubt, uh, the Word of God in context is without a doubt the cure for your problem today. I mean, for whatever problem you have, the Word of God would take care of that for you. If, if only that you would apply the Word of God to your life. If only you would allow the Word of God to have the preeminence in your life. Number one, I want to look this morning as we look at this, uh, at the testimony of the Scripture, I want to look at the power of, of the testimony. In verse number 34, we find there, Jesus said this, but I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that ye might be saved. I want you to know the power of the testimony is this. It began with John the Baptist, as I've already said, and continued throughout the New Testament time. It had the, the, the power of the testimony that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Christ, it, it has a condemning ability about it. Amen? Would you remember a day when the Word of God condemns you? Somebody said, well, I don't want to go to church while I feel condemned. Well, I'm going to tell you, you ain't been to church and you ain't heard the Word of God if you hadn't been felt, if you hadn't felt condemned. Amen. I tell you what, I didn't come here this morning uh, to, to feel like I've been to a rock concert or to feel like, feel like I've been to somewhere or another uh, that's, uh, uh, that's made me, uh, to get me some kind of good uh, uh, oozy, fluffy feeling. That's not the reason I came here. I didn't come here to feel comfortable today, but I came here this morning that I might hear from God and that I might hear from the Word of God. Now, when God's Word is preached in power, I want you to know sometimes it bends me up, amen. Sometimes uh, it gets me in a bind. Sometimes uh, it knocks me to my, off my feet. The Word of God is sharp and it's powerful. I'm glad just somebody uh, preached the Bible unto me one day and let me know that I was a needy creature, that I was a needy man, that I was somebody that was in trouble, and I needed the Word of God. There is a condemning ability about the Word of God. Acts chapter 7 and verse 54, the Bible tells us this, and when they heard these things, uh, they heard what? They heard Stephen preaching. They heard the old deacon preaching back there, and when they heard these things, uh, they were cut to the heart, uh, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. Uh, hey, listen, what, what did they do him like that because he told them and he preached unto them the word of God. Go read that sermon. Go read it. He quoted Moses. He quoted Moses. He quoted the prophets. 
I don't find, the only thing I find where he, he, got, he may have in, included himself is he said, ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised at heart and ears, how often, or what have you done to the prophets that came before? That's only, listen, friend, I'm telling you, the Word of God has an intent. It's not to make us feel good, but it is to condemn us in our sin. It reveals who you are. Amen. I want to turn to the book of Acts 24 real quickly. If you want to turn over there, you can. Acts chapter number 24. And verse number 25. Acts chapter number 24 and verse number 25. Paul is talking to Felix, the governor. And he's preaching to him. Verse number 25, the Bible said, And as he reasoned of righteousness, <laughs> temperance, and judgment to come, what happened? Huh? Felix did what? He trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for you. Now, it wasn't Paul telling ghost stories that got that taking place. It wasn't Paul telling, telling, uh, uh, telling of, of his accounts that made that happen. But it was Paul speaking unto him uh, concerning righteousness and temperance and judgment to come. And when he preached of those things unto, unto Felix, the Bible said, that he trembled at what he heard. I don't know about you, but I can tell you this. Uh, there's been times that I have been under the, the presence of the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God began to be preached and condemned me and it felt like I was jello inside. I'm talking about that I got, so, I got messed up. I'm talking, and I thank God that the Holy Ghost of God still works through the preaching of the Word of God today. That it's still the Word of God that's needed. I'm telling you, we don't need to learn uh, how to have motivational speeches. Uh, we just need to get back to the basics of preaching the Bible. Amen. Amen. Yes, it condemns me. Yes, uh, it revealed who I was. Yes, uh, and only did it reveal who I was, it reveals who Jesus is. Hey, and when you begin to line yourself up with him, when you begin to compare yourself to him, you'll find you're in a downfalling mark. You don't line up real good. There's a problem that exists there. The Word of God reveals who you are. It reveals who Jesus is, and it reveals how justification comes has a condemning ability. Not only that, it has a convincing ability. A convincing ability. Look at verse 39. I like this. And I, I dare say there's a bunch of folks don't understand this verse. But I've heard it used in a way that, and taken out of context. Listen to what Jesus said. He's talk, remember who he's talking to. He said, search the scriptures. For in them, what? Ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Now, these people are hating Jesus. These people can't stand Jesus. And he said, now, y'all think y'all have got eternal life? Look at the scriptures. Look at the scriptures. The scriptures testify of me. 
Where do you begin to find Jesus said in the Scripture? Where do you begin to find this at, preacher? I tell you, it has a convincing ability. What happened? I find in Matthew 16, 16, Jesus speaking to Simon Peter. And Simon Peter answered him. Well, Jesus asked him, Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered him and said, And said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven hath revealed it. I see John chapter 4 and verse number 29. We find the old girl that was there at the, at the well and she went back home after she left her water pipe and her, her testimony was this. Come see a man that's told me all things that ever I did. Is this not the Christ? I'm telling you that the ability of the Word of God is able to convince you of who you really are. John chapter 4 and verse number 41, Bible said about this, that not only uh, did, did, uh, did she tell him uh, who he was, but the Bible said many more believed uh, because uh, of his own words. I'm telling you today uh, that if you're going to ever believe, the, uh, you ever believe the, that Jesus, you're ever going to get saved, you're going to believe the Bible. You're going to believe what thus saith the Word of God. You're going to quit putting it to the backside. You're going to quit ignoring it and denying it. If you're going to ever live for God, you're going to take God's Word as being the truth, regardless of how it fits in your life. You say, preacher, but it's so hard. God never made it easy. The book, salvation is simple. But I'm here to tell you today that what you've got to do, you must believe the report that God made. It's a condemning ability. It has a convincing ability. But it's also got a converting ability about it. Amen. You ever known anybody got converted? By the Word of God. You ever known anybody got converted by the Word of God? Oh, man. Preach, you get excited about the. I can't help it. I, I just can't help it. I do get excited because it made a difference in my life. What if I'd have never heard the gospel? What if I'd have never heard about Jesus? Y'all know there's multitudes of people that ain't never heard a clear presentation of the gospel of Christ. You know, there's multitudes of people around. I'm not, you ain't got to go to Africa to find them either. Friend, you can go to Poplarville. That ain't never heard of the truth about the gospel. They're depending upon, upon something else. They're depending upon a feeling, or they spoke in tongues, or they've done this. And I'm here to tell you my Bible don't ever say nothing about that as a defining factor of being born again. I'm telling you what, if a person never has got lost, then they ain't never got saved. Amen. The only thing that can make a person lost is hearing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and lining up there. Listen to me. It is there is a converting of about the testimony of the power of the testimony of the Word of God. There was a jailer at Philippi. Uh, one minute he's having them beat the, uh, down. The next minute he's bathing their sores uh, after he heard them uh, singing and praying about midnight and the doors uh, uh, flew open and the walls shook uh, and the earth quaked uh, and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They didn't tell him to go jump in a the lake. They didn't tell him to uh, get it your own self and do the best you can. But they told him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And that night, a straightway, he and his house were baptized. Hey, listen to me. I see a converting ability about the Scripture. I see Saul of Tarsus. I see Saul. Oh, man, what an awful person he was. 
but he met Jesus on the Damascus Road. And where would we, Brother Mike, where would we be today without Saul turning into Paul and being the man of God that he was? Where would the church be today? Well, I'm glad God had them saw things way better than what me and you could see them. I'm glad God saw them a lot better than what me and you could. You see, I believe this. I, I believe there's a converting ability about the Word of God. There's a story that I, I read, and I, I read it several times, but I went back and reread this thing yesterday just a little bit. It is the story of Charles Spurgeon and his conversion of what happened in his life. And, and Spurgeon was raised up in a, y'all listen here, look up here at me. He was raised up in a religious home. He was very religious. He, he knew about salvation, and he wanted to be saved terribly bad. He had tried everything he had ever heard about being saved. He had, he, I mean, everything he had heard, he had tried it, Brother, brother Mike. But sometime or another in one winter down there, I don't know what year it was, it was probably there in the reading when I read the testimony, but I didn't, it wasn't real important there. But it was a, a winter storm taking place, and, and he was on, the, on a Sunday a Sunday morning, by the way, and he was trying to get to church, and, and the weather got so bad, Brother Joe, uh, that he turned into a little primitive Methodist church. And the weather was so bad that day that at that little primitive Methodist church, uh, the snow was so bad and so heavy uh, that the preacher couldn't even make it there that day. He said as he come in the door, he sat down close to the back of the church house, uh, and said there was a little scrawny-looking old boy that stood in the pulpit uh, there, and, and he read from Isaiah chapter 45 and verse number 22, and it said, Look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. Uh, and said that's why about 15 minutes is all he expounded on those scripture. And he said, Look unto me, and be ye saved all ye ends. Uh, and that was from the find out he was a deacon there at that church uh, is what he was, uh, or a Sunday school teacher, something like that. And all he did was expound about 10 or 15 minutes uh, looking unto me. And he said, for the first time in my life uh, that I found out that I didn't have to look at me, but I had to look at him. Uh, for the first time uh, that I, in my life, I realized uh, that it didn't have nothing to do with me, but it had everything to do with him. He said, and he said, look unto me and live. And what I wanted to do was live. He didn't run down to an altar. He didn't uh, raise his hand and say, I'm lost. But there where he was uh, in his seat, he looked unto him and had eternal life. Let me tell you something. You can forget what traditions say and believe the book. The prince of preachers was born again that day in a little primitive Methodist church. He talked about that primitive Methodist, said they had history and they were known to be real loud. They'd sing and lift the roof up. He said they may get happy and shout and run and Boy, it's a long way from today, ain't it? It's about a long way from more Baptists today. You know, we've got to reserve, but I wonder how many folks have never have looked unto him and lived. You're looking at this baptismal pool. You looked at a prayer you prayed. But you ain't never looked to him. telling you what you better do, you better know there's a converting power in the testimony 
there's a converting power there. If your life never has changed, friend, by the authority of the Word of God, you listen to me? If your life never has changed, by the authority of the Word of God, you ain't never been saved. By the authority of God's Word, you never have been saved. If you can still do what you've always done, and no condemnation comes your way, then by the authority of God's Word, you ought to be on your face somewhere or another looking into Him. What you ought to do, there's the power of the testimony. Number two, let's look at the proprietor of the testimony. The proprietor is a person who has the legal right to anything. I'm going to tell you, they ain't, none of this ever caught God by surprise. Adam's fall never caught God by surprise. God didn't scratch his head on the day that Adam sinned in the garden and said, no, now what are we going to do? God had already had a plan. God, you see, is he yesterday, he's today and forever. Nothing ever occurred to him. He always, God didn't have to search through heaven to find one willing to be the supreme sacrifice that was given. He didn't have to search anywhere. There was already a plan. It was already in place, and he was slain, by the way, from the foundation of the world, Jesus was. What does that mean? It means when Adam fell, God said, it's okay. I've got everything worked out already. It's already worked out. So I just want you to know in the beginning in Genesis chapter number 3 and verse number 15, we find God when he's speaking to Adam and to Eve, and he said, I will put enmity between, her, between thee and the woman, speaking to the serpent, by the way, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. That is the first prophetical statement that God's going to send his son to the world to take away the sin problem. That is the first prophet, the prophet, prophecy concerning Jesus. It was necessary. You see, there had to be something to show man his need for a Savior. The proprietor of the testimony is this, that it's, an, it's a necessary testimony. God said it was necessary. Man has fallen. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're sinners. And we can't help ourselves. We've failed. We've fallen. We, we've made mistakes. We've come short of God's glory. Therefore, we cannot enter into the presence of God in that way. And the Scripture, by the way, is not debatable. The proprietor of the testimony said it's non-negotiable. You know what that means? You ever got a check? And you're at that bottom down there, one of them little fake pony checks, it says non-negotiable down there. It means it ain't no good. You change it, it ain't no good. That'll work right there. Y'all hear what I'm saying? I felt something right there on that. I, you, you change it, and it's no longer any good. And God said the same thing about his book, didn't he, in, in the Revelation. He said we ought not to have or take away from any of it. If you change it, you know what? It ain't no, it's no more negotiable. It's not to be negotiated about. It's no more good. It's not fit. I'm telling you today, what we need to rest assured on is that, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You need to know that. It's not negotiable. I'm telling you, you are a sinner. 
Scripture is full of prophetic proof that Jesus would come and pay the debt of sin that we couldn't pay for our sin. This was all in the plan of God from the beginning. Number three, let's look at the proof of the testimony. I done read this scripture one time. Verse number 39, Jesus said, Search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. These are they, and, and they are they which testify of me. Proof of salvation exists within God's Word. How can a man know he's saved, Brother Joe? By the Word of God. If you're depending upon a feeling to let you know you're saved, then you just like on a roller coaster. I have different feelings according to what I eat. Right? Now, God, when I got saved, but Joe, something happened, and I knew something happened. And I'm glad I was just a 12-year-old boy. Because if I'd have waited to have been a 50-year-old man, I probably wouldn't have got it. I'd have tried to figure it out like some folks are today. I'd have tried to work it out like some folks are trying to do today. But I'm glad I had faith right then as a 12-year-old boy like that child. He said that I just came to him trusting and believing. The proof of the testimony is this, that salvation exists within the Word of God. I found out I was lost by the Word of God. I found out who Jesus was by the Word of God. And I know today that I'm saved by the Word of God. And when the Word of God begins to be the Word of God to you, rather than just a suggestion book, then it'll make a whole big difference in your life as well. You won't go to bed tonight at night wondering so much whether or not you're saved or not. When God's Word begins to be the book and the Word of God and not just a storybook and not just something that you heard from a child, but listen, I want you to know, the Word of God, the proof of the testimony, the Word of God and true salvation, is a, it, it, it produces fruit in your life. Verse number 42, listen what he said. But I know you. You have not the love of God in you. What did he tell him, Brother Joe, in my story in Mississippi Redneck? He said, I know you. You ain't got it. How? You ain't producing the right kind of fruit. You ain't producing the right kind of fruit. Jesus said, you can tell the tree by what? By the fruit it bears. The Word of God will allow you to know that you can produce fruit. The Word of God and its converting ability and, 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 and what it has there and everything, you know, it, what it, it, it prevents doubt. 
it prevents doubt. Second Peter chapter one verse number eight. Bible said for it says this. Peter said, "For if these things, those seven attributes of faith, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall be neither be barren nor unfruitful." Work of the Lord. God's word allows you to know how you stand with God. Now you can argue with it, but remember, it's not debatable. You can say, well, I'm as good as everybody else. Remember, it's not on our goodness that matters. And according to who you're comparing yourself to, you might be in trouble there as well. Well, I'm just as good as old so-and-so. They may be lost too. They may be on their way to hell just as like you are with their name written in North Spring Baptist Church's roll book. It'll prevent doubt. You know what it'll do? It'll help your soul. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 again. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. Listen to this. For instruction in righteousness. God's word is necessary. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 15 right there, Paul told Timothy this. He said, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. You see, there's no exceptions to the word of God. Why a person continues to be lost and why a person continues to argue with God, like the old black preacher said, young man, young man, your arms are too short to box with God. Why, why you continue to choose to stay lost and continue to, 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 to endanger your soul with hell, I don't get it. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't get it. There's never been a day since I got saved, Brother Joe, that I said I wish I wasn't saved. There's never been a day that since I've been saved that I said, I wish I hadn't never heard the gospel. But there's always been a day, ever since the day I got saved, Brother Mike, I've always said, thank God that I heard the gospel and that somebody preached to me about Jesus and that God gave me enough faith to put my trust in him and that when I put my faith and trust in him, God held up to his word. He saved me just like he said he did. You see, there's proof in this thing. There's, there, there's a great need today, and, and I'll never understand why you continue to stay lost and why you wouldn't trust the Lord. I, I, I never understand the excuses that's thrown up before people and why, well, I'll get saved then, and I'll get saved there, and I'll get saved here and there. And there. I don't understand why you can go on in your life treating God the way you treat him. You see, the word of God prevents doubt. The word of God, lastly, it promises eternity. You hear me? Well, that's good, ain't it, preacher? It's good for some. 
But God's word promises eternity for everybody. It promises eternity for us that are saved. One day I'm going to get out of this place. One day I'm going to depart this thing. And boy, as I think about it, it ain't near about as long as what it has been. One way or another, it's not as long as it has been. It's not going to be long. I'll get to look in the eyes of the Savior. How you know, preacher? Because I got a Bible. And God cannot lie. God's Word promised me eternity. But it also promised you eternity. You can't nail down that Jesus is your Savior. It promises you eternity in hell. Will you listen to me this morning just for a few more minutes? I'm done. It promises you an eternity in hell. All alone. In the fires and flames and pits of hell. In hell where the worm dieth not. In hell where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. In hell where they're begging for just one drop of water. In hell. In hell because you've turned a deaf ear to the scripture. In hell because you were too proud to admit you're lost. In hell because you ignored the preaching of the word of God time and time again. In hell. Preacher, does the Bible say that? Absolutely it says that. The promise of hell. The promise of God. That if you die without being saved, I don't care how many churches you're a member of, you'll wind up in hell. Bible said there's going to be those in that day said Lord have we not cast out devils in thy name and in thy name done many wonderful works the Lord will say unto them depart from me for I never knew you ye that work iniquity how do you know this because the Bible says All the while, the Bible said the love of God is greater still. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All along that God said, for whosoever will. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. All along while you're burning in hell, the words of the, the, the book, the word of God will roll through your mind. You'll remember that you had every opportunity to be born again. Maybe this morning you say, Preacher, I'm saved. 
but I just think live for him. Preacher, I ain't been I ain't been faithful to him and I'm not living for him. And preacher, I want to change that. You're the only one that can. You're the only one that can change it. After he saved you from an eternal fire. After he gave his life for you. After he'd done everything he's done for you. And gave you the opportunity to be saved. Oh, you owe him your life. Well, I ain't got long left. Well, what days you have left? You ought to give it to him. You ought to serve him. Preacher, I'm concerned about my family. I'm telling you, you're not real concerned if you don't get sold out to him. Don't tell me how concerned you are about them getting saved if you ain't sold out to him. You're preparing yourself to see them herald into hell. You don't sell out to him. I started preaching when I was 19 years old. Got married when I was 20. I had my first child. We had our first child when I was 22. From the day I found out I was going to have a baby, we was going to have a baby, all I wanted to do was to make sure he knew Jesus. All I wanted to do was to make sure that he, he got born again. pray and I'd cry and I'd beg God to save him before he ever got here. Oh, it was important to me. He came along a couple of years later. Heather came. All I wanted her to do was to get saved. I bless the Lord for the day they both got saved. I didn't want to hear my children get hurled into hell. I didn't want to see my children get thrown into the devil's hell and go to hell. I want them to be saved. Today we're content. We get complacent. We get satisfied with having children outside the ark of safety. We just live like we want to live. You say, preacher, you kind of singling me out. I'm not singling you out. God, the Holy Ghost, singling you out. I'm just preaching. I don't think I've called nobody's name yet. If there's guilt setting on you, you better talk to God about it. You can live your life and not be concerned about your family. You better make sure you're saved. After all he's done for you. After all he's done for you. You're here this morning and you're lost yourself. You want to be saved. Look unto him. And live. Look unto him and live. Don't look at me. Look to him. Look to him and see him hanging on an old rugged cross. Look to him and see the furrows plowed in his back. Look to him and see the crown of thorns beat deep into his brow. Look unto him and see the open wounds and the nails driven in his hands and feet. 
Look unto him and see his visage so more marred more than any other man. Look unto him and know that the reason you see him like that is because of your sin. Because of my sin. The testimony of the scripture declares it. Wonder this morning, would you look unto him and live? 